guys, welcome to Nathan Cage Interview Podcast. On the couch today, I've got Dr. Frankie Jackson-Spence. Today, we are sponsored by London and District Housing Limited. Thank you so much for the sponsor. Doctor, yep. thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Where did your journey start? So you're, you're an NHS doctor. Yeah. You're an also online PT. Yeah. You also do modelling. We'll talk about where you get the time later on. Yeah. But where did you, when did you qualify as a doctor? So I qualified in 2018 from um, the University of Birmingham, but I'm originally from Leeds, so I'm a northern <laughs> gal. Um, and basically when I was a med student, I found that I was like spending so much time working all the time and kind of neglecting my own health, which was a bit ironic when I was learning how to promote health. Um, so after my first year, I thought I'm not really looking after myself. I'm just sort of burning the candle. So I got into exercise. And that kind of became my way of relaxing at the end of a long day, like after lectures and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I made friends with a PT in the gym who was a girl my age, but she'd not done the uni route. She'd become a personal trainer. And she basically started videoing me um, to promote her own services. So then I started reposting the videos and kind of grew a bit of a fitness Instagram. Um, and then obviously, I love evidence, so I wanted to learn more about like why I was doing certain exercises and what the benefits and things were. So I did my personal training qualification. While you're studying? While I was studying for med school, yeah. And did you start that as a job then? Were you then thinking, well, I can earn some money now being a PT, or did you not carry that as a profession? Not really. I just kind of thought, oh, well, I wanted to learn about it because it was something that became my hobby, yeah. um, and I love learning. So I just kind of did the qualification to learn about more about exercise and nutrition and things um, and then obviously realized I could be a bit entrepreneurial with it later. So it's something that you fell into because you yeah. found you found enjoyment in it. Yeah. It wasn't where I want to be a PT, I want to sort of become into health and fitness. Yeah. But it was something where you thought I really enjoy this. Yeah, exactly. And I think when I sort of did the personal training qualification, it was maybe four or five years ago, people weren't really thinking about doctors uh, in the social media then. No, of course so not. So I wasn't really thinking it, of it as a business idea. It was just me trying to boost my knowledge. And if I was posting up these videos on Instagram and people were watching them, I thought I'm not really qualified to be giving advice. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm all about being qualified. <laughs> you are, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, did you always want to be a doctor? So everyone obviously always asks that. Why do you want to be a doctor? Um, I didn't always want to be a doctor. I didn't really want to do it until I was about 16 and I had to kind of make the, the decision about what I was going to do at university. Um, but I love people and I'm chatty and I just wanted something that is a lot of like interaction with humans. Yeah. But I was always a bit of a science nerd at school. <laughs> so my teachers were like, these two like characteristics are perfect for medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I mean, People don't realise the sacrifice you have to give to become a doctor. Yeah. Um, give me an idea of what sort, you know, how long you went to university for, what sort of sacrifices you had to make maybe to sort of be qualified. Yeah. So it's obviously a very long course. So I did six years because I actually did, <sighs> I know it's a long time, I actually did two degrees. So I did um, a biomedical science research year in the middle of medicine. So I was there for six years. Um, I think some sacrifices are that when you're at university, you have a very different student life. So you can't, you know, go out every night and be lazy and hang out in the flat with all your student friends because you've got nine to six lectures or you've got a hospital placement. Wow. Um, 
And it's also a lot of like independent study. You have to be quite motivated to sit down and learn medicine because it's, you know, people spend their whole lives learning medicine. It's a lot to learn in even that amount of time. So that's a sacrifice. And then I suppose like financially, it's a bit of a sacrifice because it costs a lot to go to university now, mm. which isn't um, a small decision when you're sort of 17 thinking, Absolutely. I'm going to get myself into a hundred grand worth of debt. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess if you are a bit sort of entrepreneurial or you've done well at school, there are jobs you can go into where you can earn a lot more money. Yeah. So you kind of have to think what you want in life do you want to like make the big bucks or do you want to have a fulfilling job that's really rewarding so i guess that's a sacrifice people don't really think about it's true isn't it because yeah. the money i mean like getting into debt yeah becoming a doc being qualified straight away isn't the money isn't amazing right yeah how long does it take to become sort of a well-paid doctor so People, I think there's a misconception that doctors are really well paid, mainly because of like American TV shows where <laughs> doctors are well paid. Um, but and you basically don't get an amazing salary until you're a consultant. So they're the people that are top of the hierarchy in medicine. And that can take anything between sort of seven to 12 years from graduating. So nearly in your 40s. Yeah, but then I always think if I was working in an office job or law or banking or something, yeah. you have to work your way up the ladder anyway. Right, so, so you might as well do it. You might as well do it in something you actually want to do it in. Yeah, exactly. And do you enjoy being a doctor? I absolutely love being a doctor. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a risky gamble because you actually don't know if you're going to like it until you start seeing patients, which in most cases is your third year of uni. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you, it's a big commitment. Huge. But I just think it's just the most amazing job. Like, it's such a privilege that people can come in having never met you before, yeah. sit down on a chair and tell you, like, deep, dark secrets about their life and their health and really trust you. It's amazing. I mean, are you finding now people more open about talking to you? As in, op they're opening up a lot easier because they are more aware of sort of mental health issues and everything else. So Definitely. are you finding that? Definitely. I think that, um, you know, I've seen a massive rise in the amount of people coming with anxiety or um, depression symptoms to the GP. Yeah. And I think it's um, that people are realising that it's okay to talk about it and it's nothing to be ashamed of, which is amazing. Um, and also I think the new generation of doctors have been taught to approach the patient in a different way. So. When I'm talking to a patient, it's a bit like this. It's a conversation. Yeah. I don't sit on like a pedestal and be like, you need to do this for your health. Whereas the old style of doctor was a lot more like um, paternalistic. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think that patients feel a lot more comfortable talking yeah. about things now. Do you not think though, when um, I suppose being a doctor, it's about asking the patient, what do you think you can do better? Yeah. Like, it, it, I've learned this in the last sort of five, ten years, is actually everyone knows the answers to what we're doing, right? Because yeah. all the answers are out there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, what do you think you could be doing on a daily basis which would help? Exactly. So it's so easy to say, oh, you need to lose weight and exercise more, or you need to, um, I don't know, reduce your stress at work. But that's so general that people physically can't incorporate that into their life. You yeah. have to think, what can that person do? It's I can't say to... So, you know, a 40-year-old lady with arthritis, you need to join a gym. No. Because she physically, that isn't going to work for her. But I could say, you know, perhaps you could um, 
go swimming or you could walk the dog for a little bit longer or something. Yeah, brisk walking. Yeah. Exactly. So it's actually finding what works for that person and realising what are their barriers to health. Absolutely. Because everyone's a different. So when you qualified, yeah. what, what was the feeling like? So you, oh, so you graduated. Yeah. So you graduated. And then what happens after it's that? It's honestly the best day. So you, you get um, your exam results online yeah. and it says like, proceed or not. <laughs> and all of my friends at university were getting that on the same moment. So oh it was God. just honestly like euphoric moment when you realise all that hard work is yeah. um, paid off. Um, so there's a big party and the graduation was obviously really special because it's such a long slog to get here. It but really it was is, yeah. it was really rewarding. But you realise actually, sorry if any med students watching this, that graduation is just the start. Yeah. You've still got so many years further of training and um, you know, hard work to come. When so when you actually when was the first time did you have to then start looking for a job? No, so the NHS is pretty good for this. You look for a job and you get your job um, while you're in your final year of study. Wow. Okay. So you graduate in July and you start work on the first of August. So it's all lined up, ready to go. And what sort of work is it? Is it going straight into a hospital? Is it going to a local clinic to your home? Um, so you do a two-year foundation program mm -hmm. where you try a bit of everything uh, before you decide what you want to go into. Um, and usually that's mainly hospital medicine, but yeah. you ha do have opportunities to do general practice or community psychiatry or um, surgery and things like that. So yeah. it's a mix of everything, really. That's amazing. That's yeah. so good. So then you decided, what ha then what happens? There? So you do your two years? Yeah. Two years? Yes, you yeah. do two years. And then? And then you basically pick which route you're going to go down. So and what did you pick? So I'm actually coming to the end of my second year of this foundation okay. training. Um, but I want to go into oncology, which is cancer medicine. Amazing. So that's a hospital route. Um, but I could have done surgery or I could have gone down the general practice route. So it's it, like three branches, really. Why did you choose cancer? Was it something that you could relate to? Um, I mean, I feel like everyone has some personal link to cancer. You sure. know someone that's close to you that's been affected or someone that's close to you and someone that's close to them has been affected and you've seen the effects. Yeah. But for me, um, there's two reasons. The first is that I mentioned before, the biggest part of medicine for me is having a chat with people and you know getting to know them and their family and things. And I think that, Cancer is often a journey for families and the patient, and yeah. you really get, you know, to the heart of that, and you see the same patients in clinic, and you have an opportunity to, although you often don't really change the outcome, you can help make that journey um, as good as it can be for sure. the patient and the family. So if you're good at communicating with them, you can answer their worries, and you know, you can help them make adjustments so they're dealing with it better. And yeah. I just get so much reward out of doing that. Oh, um, and the second reason is I really um, love all of like my evidence-based practice and yeah. I'm so big on reading the latest research and making sure everything I do and promote is backed by good hard evidence and oncology is um, a field where there's so much investment into research and so many new medications on trial and things and that just I just think that's really exciting. Yeah it is. So tell me about this um, you know these busting the health myths right yeah. I, I love that and so give me an example of what that means or give someone an example yeah. of what that looks like. Okay so Unfortunately, social media is a place that so many people go to for health advice, yeah. which can be great if they know where to go to, but it can also be pretty dangerous. Um, so there was a survey conducted a couple of years ago by Sainsbury's, um, and it showed that 24% of um, young children 
go to social media, YouTube, Instagram for health advice. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. And yeah. I said, I expect the numbers are actually higher than that, but it's how many children actually participated. <laughs> yeah. um, and on social media, I feel like people are trying to do a lot of good, but if you haven't got the qualifications to talk about something, it can be a bit um, dangerous. So I'll use this example. You might get a female personal trainer who's very qualified in personal training or nutrition, um, but then decides to talk about um, hormonal contraception. Okay. So she might have loads of knowledge about her personal experience with it, yeah. but little knowledge about the other options available. So if people following her hear her talking so positively about this one method of contraception, yeah. they're probably going to be inclined to try that. Yeah. But that isn't the way that doctors would advise people on that. True. So and, we, then, and then that person then also recommends it to their friends. Exactly. And it's not really the right route. What should be happening is if someone thinks I need to think about contraception, they should go to their doctor and talk about all options available, yeah. what's so suitable for them. Because there's, it's more than just choice. There's some things like if you get migraines, you can't go on the pill and things. And, they, and the personal trainer might not know that. So it becomes a little bit dangerous. Um, so that's why I'm so passionate about um, promoting health in a digestible way that people can relate to, but yeah. that is actually backed by guidelines and evidence. Um, and yeah, I think that there is definitely a rise of people on social media doing what I'm doing now, which is brilliant. It's so good. And if, yeah. if anyone hasn't seen Dr. Frankie's Spencer's page, it's fun. Thanks. So as well as it's evidence-based, yeah. it's also good fun. Okay, that's good. Um, like it doesn't come across as too serious yeah. or too like you must do this. It's also like yeah. here's some advice yeah. with a smile. Yeah. Like, and I think also I am not claiming to be like this pillar of amazing health. Like I will say, oh, like this morning, I snoozed my alarm and didn't make it to the gym. Yeah. Like I think I'm quite human about it. So hopefully people find that relatable because I know what it's like to be you know, mid-twenties, trying to juggle everything. It's sometimes hard to prioritise your health. Yeah, it is. Um, so I'm glad it comes across fun. <laughs> no, it does. Give me an idea of your daily routine. Okay. Well, today's very different because I have a day off. But um, if I was working, then I get up at about 5.30. I know, so the early. The is still asleep. I'm not a morning person at you all. Know. I've made myself do that. Um, and I head to the gym. I go to F45 training. Nice. Um, which is like functional fitness. Um, then I will get ready at work, go to work, which um, is usually eight till five. Mm -hmm. I'm really lucky at the moment that I don't work evenings or weekends, <laughs> which is a dream because most junior doctors have much worse wow. work schedules. Um, and then in the evening, I will either do some sort of uh, Instagram, social media yeah. work, whether that be an event or some content creation, or I'll just have a normal life, like see my friends, go on dates, you know, just yeah, like normal, the normal, thing. the normal thing, yeah. Going back to when you said you wake up at 5.30 in the yeah. morning, now that is early, and yeah. most people would say, oh, all the successful people in the world, they always get up early, yeah. and they think it's easy for them to get up early. It's not easy, It's not right? easy, it's absolutely not easy. Like, every time my alarm goes off at 5.30, it feels like, oh my gosh, like this is a shock, why is my alarm going off? <laughs> but the trick is to just, um, make yourself go to bed earlier. Yeah. So on a good day, I'm going to bed at like 9, 9.30. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually probably getting more sleep than someone who goes to bed at midnight and gets up at seven. Yeah. Um, so if you can shift your routine and you're consistent, it, it becomes a lot easier. Do you think that's the key word, being consistent? Absolutely. So 
I will say at the weekend, I don't stick to my same um, waking cycle. Like I go to bed later and get up later. Mm -hmm. And then on a Monday morning when the alarm goes off, it's awful. <laughs> she is human. <laughs> but she then by Wednesday, Thursday, I'm kind of used to it again. Um, but I definitely think being consistent, getting into a routine. Um, and and we, we meant you, mumbling. You asked me this question before about sleep. And um, if you get the same number of hours of sleep every night yeah. and you're consistent with it, it becomes a lot easier yes. than if you kind of like deprive yourself in the week, then sleep in, then try and deprive yourself in the week. Well, you can't catch up on your sleep, right? No. You can't get that, you can't catch up on time. So no. it's, it's the same thing. Sleep is not like a debt yeah. that you can accumulate and then like cash in at the weekend. Absolutely. Um, in the night, we have different cycles of sleep and it's important that you get the right proportion of light and deep sleep. Hmm. So cutting your hours down messes that up. Yeah. Um, so at the weekend, you know, you might get hours back, but you don't necessarily get quality back. Because mm, okay. we talk about sleep a lot. And so do you recommend sleeping with like blackout blinds? Do you sort of try and get, do you wear an eye mask? So earplugs? I am the world's best sleeper. <laughs> I could genuinely fall asleep on the floor. I, could, I don't need blinds. It can be daylight and yeah. I can fall asleep. But um, definitely recommending like good sleep hygiene. Mm -hmm. So the blue light on our phones yeah. is horrendous for sleep. Um, it basically has a similar effect to drinking a cup of coffee. Wow. Yeah, so it sort of alters chemicals in your brain and it can keep you awake. So I try and not use my phone for like half an hour to an hour before bed. Um, blackout blinds work for so many people. We know yes. that the light definitely has an effect on our ability to sleep. Um, things like not having distracting things in your room. Like I don't think anyone should have a television in their room. Mm -hmm. um, you should definitely separate work enjoyment and sleep yeah um so just having good practices that work for you definitely is, i like that that's yeah. really good tell me about the hours that you've got so we've all yeah. got the same amount of hours in the day yeah. right and you do many different things <laughs> how do you get the time to do it i think two things if you really are passionate about something you prioritize it so for me my own training is super important to me so if that means i have to get up early i wake up and i think I do actually want to go to the gym. Yeah. It's something that makes me feel good. I have a better day when I've gone. So I'm motivated to go. Um, if I was maybe getting up to do something I don't enjoy quite as much, like swimming, for example, it's not my, really my cup of tea, yeah. I would find it a lot harder to get up. Yeah. So it's, I find if you, you utilize the hours better if you're more passionate and motivated about mm. it. Um, the second thing is I'm quite organized, like most hours of my day are planned. Yeah. Um, which you realise you can fit a lot more in um, than, you know, if you need to catch up with a friend, it doesn't ha necessarily have to be a whole Saturday afternoon. It can be, why can't we go to a workout class together nice. and then a coffee? That's a good shout. Yeah. Like um, and other things is I'm really, like, good at optimising my time. Like, I'll use my commutes to read something for my medical Mondays and then the commute home to write the caption. Yeah. For example, rather than just sitting there twiddling my thumbs or scrolling social media or something. So I guess it's just um, optimizing your own health so yeah. that you've got the energy to do it. So getting good night's sleep, eating properly means mm -hmm. I've got more energy in the day um, and sort of thinking what's important to me. And you prepare quite, you, you prepare, don't you? That's yeah. so important to prepare well yourself. So yeah. you know what you're going to do. You know where you need to get to. You know what time you need to be there. Yeah. You know what you need to have with you. Yeah. Because people just don't prepare. No, you've got to pack your gym bag the night before. Yeah. <laughs> There you you go. can't get up at five and be scrambling around <laughs> looking for <laughs> no, your you gym clothes. So what's next? So 
we know that you're going to, you know, going to do your cancer, yeah. the cancer side of things. But tell me about the online PTing and, you know, yeah. the fitness side of things. So going back to what we talked about at the beginning about when I qualified as a personal trainer, I wasn't a doctor then. I was still a medical student um, and obviously had this huge interest in um, health and fitness and things and also was on a student budget. So I thought, actually, I could be a personal trainer. But the hours of medicine are kind of unpredictable. So I couldn't say I can definitely meet this client in the gym at six o'clock because what if something ran over in the hospital? So I kind of started doing remote coaching. So um, mainly fitness plans. Um, I always used to have a fitness coach myself. Um, And I think it's really good for people that are busy and when they go to the gym, they just don't want to think about what they've got to do. No, You've got someone else saying, this is what you need to do to get results. It will definitely work. Put the trust in me. Yeah. Um, so I kind of did that. I've kind of, I still do that a little bit, but it's not my main focus anymore. Sure. Um, just because I have crazy hours at the hospital and like I'm going, I have to work on A&E in a few months time. And I know that I won't wow. be able to commit to my clients the same way, but um, yeah, I, I started doing that and I do do that a bit and it's kind of turned into a kind of general lifestyle coaching because half of the time the girls aren't saying to me, what do I do for this exercise? They're asking me about, you know, general lifestyle advice, advice. Yeah, yeah. Of course. which is really nice. Right? Yeah, it's really nice. How good does it feel when you give back and when you know that you've given some really good advice to somebody and they've Absolutely. gone, thank you so much. How good does that feel? What... Yeah, it feels great. And often it's not even me giving advice it's me sort of giving advice about how they can help themselves yes so I won't say to them you know you need to get up earlier and get your gym in before work because you're really not going after work I can I'll say to them like when do you think would be a better time of day for you to train and then they end up evaluating their whole day and they think actually you know what when I plan to go in the evening it never happens but when I go in the morning I'm much more consistent and sort of make them work it out themselves and I love doing that (laughs) it's amazing isn't it because you sort of become that accountability partner yeah you know that oh my god like you know they know what they need to do the next time they need to speak to you have you done it no I haven't done it they know what they need they everyone knows I believe that everyone knows what they need to do in order to get where they want to get to it's just having someone to hold you accountable for yeah it. no for lots of people that's great and for me now I go to F45 which is like a group training yeah. I don't have some person keeping me accountable but if I don't go to the gym the next day everyone will be like where were you yesterday <laughs> yeah. you think oh people notice when I'm not here which is yeah which is great yeah and definitely having someone to keep you accountable and share the highs with you and it, you know if you have a bad day or a bad workout having someone to talk to about it often really helps what do you like about F45 Um, So what I love about it is it's a great community setting. So I love that I'm training in a group. We're all in it together. You know, you can feel a bit tired, but then the person next to you is having a great workout and you think, oh, I need to work a bit harder. (laughs) Um, And it's really social. So I've had Mm. loads of friends. Like I've got a friendship group at the gym now, which is wonderful. Um, Whereas sometimes the gym can be a bit isolating. So the reason I got into F45 was I was working on surgery in a hospital, had quite weird hours. And at the end of a long day, I just didn't want to go to the gym on my own and like yeah. lift heavy weights that made me feel like uncomfortable. So I started doing that and it's just like PE at school. Oh, nice. Good fun. Yeah. Really good fun. Also, in terms of getting sciency, F45 actually incorporates um, like the recommended exercise guidelines from the NHS. So it incorporates weights. So we should be doing two resistance sessions a week nice. and it's um, very cardio heavy yeah. and we should be doing 150 minutes of cardio exercise a week. Mm-hmm. So actually it's like the perfect way to keep fit and healthy. 
So it's a good shout and good a bit yeah. of advertisement for them as well on here at 45. <laughs> but no, it's true because I do see there's a good community around it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's a good place for people to start. Yeah. Because it, it, it can look intimidating from the outside because yeah. everyone knows each other. And you sort of think, oh, I don't want to go in here. But mm. everyone seems really welcoming. It's so welcoming. And they want you to be part of it. Definitely. And I also think with these classes, you know, they look intimidating. But if you're working for 30 seconds, no one knows if you're doing five burpees in that 30 seconds yeah. or 10 burpees in that 30 seconds. Everyone's focusing on themselves. Yes. So although the exercises are challenging, you definitely can scale it when you're a beginner. Yeah, it's not like work, not like walking into the weight section of a sort no. of a high street gym yeah. at 6.30 in the evening. It's, yeah. yeah, it's pretty, you know. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so talk to me about being self-employed. Uh, okay, so obviously you're employed by the NHS, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and you've got a job and you've got that sort of safety net, as people like to call it. But yeah. that for me is you're just giving back massively. Yeah. If you were just self-employed, how, how hard do you think it would be? Um, it, obviously, it depends what area you're self-employed in. I think if you're self-employed doing Instagram and social media, it's actually quite difficult because, first of all, the industry is really saturated. So a lot of the way that people get paid on social media is having sponsored posts. So, for example, in order for me to provide free content and invest so much time in this, um, there'll be certain brands that may say, can we sponsor this post? Mm -hmm. So if I'm talking about, I don't know, you need to drink more water, a water brand might sponsor the post um, so, and they'll pay me a fee. Okay. So what's difficult about that is, obviously there are hundreds of thousands of people that they could choose to do those campaigns. Yeah. So constantly you're comparing yourself to other people. Why did someone else get picked for that? advert and I didn't. So I think you have to be quite um, resilient and quite like strong backbone to get yourself into social media, self-employed yeah. life. That's the first kind of challenge, um, which I don't really take personally, so I'm quite good at brushing that off. The second thing is that there's a really fine line between work and personal life. Mm -hmm. So often you are Essentially, I'm a personal brand, so people aren't just buying into my medical content. They also care about where I'm going for dinner or what I'm wearing or what I'm using on my hair and things like that. Yeah. And it means that you realise that you can sell a lot of your personal life. So you might go out for coffee with a friend and you think, oh, I need to get content. So can you just snap a picture of me with this coffee? And it kind of like, you're still working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or you might put a story up of you doing something like with your family or something. And it's like, there's a really blurred line between work and rest. You, you don't end the day and think, okay, I'm going to relax for the evening now because you might be doing something that evening that's really going to help your growth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you, do you find that social media is a full-time job it in could, itself? It depends on what you're doing with it. Mm. Um, loads of people do it full time, and I definitely think I would have opportunity to do it full time, but my passion is still medicine. Of course. Um, yeah, you can always take on more campaigns, and you could, you know, do a, come on podcasts, or you could film things. So it definitely could be a full time job. I think people definitely underestimate how long it takes to create Instagram content. Yes. So taking the picture, editing it, writing a caption. Um, you know, that kind of thing. It's not something you can just quickly do, is no. it? No. Like, if, you, if you want to produce good content yeah. that people want, you, know, you want people to be engaged by, that's the Absolutely. most important part. Absolutely. And I feel like I'm constantly having to read things, you know, keeping up to date. What are people um, worrying about or talking about in terms of health news? Um, so it's constantly like 
doing research, promote, like promoting content. Then you've also got to be quite engaged on social media yourself yeah. to get your name out there, mm. to get people supporting you, support other people doing similar things. So it's actually much more challenging than it looks. Yeah. Um, but it is a fun job. Like <laughs> the NHS has, you know, it's a great job, but it doesn't really allow you to be creative. Sure. So it's quite, Instagram's quite a creative outlet for me. I can like, make a nice piece of content and but be talking about something medical so that is quite nice yeah so a few questions I mean yeah. I know one for myself what's the toughest challenge you've had what's what's been your toughest challenge in terms of medicine or social media as you wish what's just your toughest chat what do you think has been your toughest challenge um I think my toughest challenge is probably adapting to the working hours of the NHS mm. especially when I have a side passion because sometimes it is quite difficult um, to stay happy and positive when you have to go and work a weekend yeah. in a hospital when you're missing out on something interesting that's happening in social media world or you know a friend's wedding or something that you can't go to because you can't get cover for your shift in the hospital. Yeah. Like so, I think that sacrifice is is probably the biggest challenge. Yeah, it's a big sacrifice as well. Yeah, you know because uh, some you know you are giving back. Like your job is giving back. Yeah, and you're making your own sacrifices. Yeah. to be able to give back to people. Yeah, and which is I think it's it's really nice. Yeah, one person's asked. I'm going through a breakup. Yeah, what advice would you give? Oh, I think um, everyone. You know, everyone's been through a breakup. Nothing beats just giving it time. Mm. So you become dependent, a bit dependent on another person. So if you want to go out somewhere, you've got someone to go with. So it's a bit of a life adjustment when that person's no longer there. Yeah. But you can use that extra time to really invest in yourself. So think, you know, what part of me was I neglecting when I was in a relationship? Was it my own health? Maybe I've got more time to go to the gym and get fit and healthy. Uh, maybe there's some friendships I've neglected. I just think keeping busy and like investing in you is definitely the best thing to do. That's amazing bit of advice. Yeah. Investing is people. I've never heard people say that. Some yeah. people say to go out on dates, but you're absolutely right. Like investing back in yourself absolutely. is so important. And there's, you know, going to the gym or eating better or getting into cooking nutritious food is going to make you feel great. Yeah. It's probably going to make you look great. Um, you might meet some new people in the gym. You might, you know, have something that you feel like this is a use of my time where I'm being productive, yeah. it makes me feel good. And I often feel like when you're in the exercise setting, you're just not thinking about the things that are worrying you in life. No, it's like a bit of escapism, right? Exactly. exactly. So you, you escape from sort of the real life, you do your hour, you come out feeling good, energized, yeah. you know, fresh, yeah. and then you can sort of think, okay, life isn't so bad, right? Yeah, yeah I like and I, you know, the biggest bit of advice, uh, this was a great bit of advice that someone gave me in a breakup, was that why would you want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with you? Like, if they don't love everything about you and they're not rooting for you, mm -hmm. there's no point thinking, well, what could have been? Because right. actually, they don't want you. That's right. So you don't, you just don't want that negativity. That's going to be draining in the long run. What a waste of time. Exactly. And energy. Exactly. And light. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you have received? Okay, the best piece of advice I've ever received was from my mum, who said, don't take advice from someone you don't want to end up like. Don't take about, yeah, okay. So people will always comment about, you know, people will say to me, why are you doing all this stuff on the side? You should be focusing on medicine. Like, mm. you should be doing more hours in medicine. But I think, but I don't want to end up like you. I don't want to be on this conveyor belt of an NHS doctor. I, I like having these side passions. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, take advice from someone who inspires you. People will give you, you know, advice in a breakup like we were just talking about. But if you don't want a relationship like the one they're in, yeah. do you really want to well, take their advice? Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. I like, yeah. That's, yeah, I like, <laughs> that's one of the best bits of advice I've heard. Okay, that's really good. Um, who would play you in the movie of your life? Oh, who would play me? That is such a difficult question. That's why I asked it. Um, oh, I don't know. Let me think. Hmm. Should I come back to it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a way out. Um, okay. If your house was on fire, yeah. God forbid, um, what two items would you run back and get? Can't be human or anything living. Okay. Um, I would... This is so easy because I'm so organised. So I have a box of everything that's important to wow, me. Wow, look at so this. So I grab that one box yeah. that's got all like nice photos that are important to me. You know, things like plane tickets from a special trip and stuff like that. So I definitely grab that box. That's why organisation's important. Wow, being prepared. Um, and I would probably grab my iPhone because... <laughs> My entire job is on that. Are you stuck to your iPhone? Like, let's be honest. Like, when you're not with a patient, obviously. Like, yeah. But are you stuck to your iPhone? Yeah, definitely yeah. am. Um, it's like I was saying that, that there's that blurred line between work and rest. Sure. So I can jump on my phone for 20 minutes and read an article, um, or I can reply to comments on Instagram, or I can be creating some content. Um, so definitely, I'm on it a lot but I don't see it as a bad use of time because it is a job for me yeah, so it's if I'm on my phone for an hour in the evening it's an hour of extra work what I'd say is if I'm spending time with someone I just put my phone away yeah. I don't I might say can you take a picture quickly while yeah. I'm in this really nice coffee shop because I'll post it tomorrow but then I'm off my phone I put it away um, so I'm quite good at doing that do you think that's a problem in society these days where people have just constantly got their phones out when they're sitting with people right in front of them. Yeah, why would you want to be talking to someone else on a phone when you are have chosen to spend time with that one person? Do you think it's because that people need that sort of instant, they need to reply instantly, they need to act instantly, they need to, you know, they need that sort of instant fix? Yeah, I think it's just become a bit of an addiction, has it, hasn't it? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, getting your phone out to snap the really nice looking food you've got because that's what everyone does now yeah. but if you're there like replying to you know instagram message or a text message i just think that can wait yeah it could wait you know if you're at work it has to wait yeah. so yeah it's just a little bit of an addiction isn't it what advice would you give to somebody right now say they, they want to be able to sort of get off their bum yeah. and go and get active and they're finding that sort of that motivation, that sort of that hard, that really part, the hard part of the beginning. Yeah. What advice could you give them to say, look, this is how it might be easier for you? Yeah. So definitely is thinking about what is your motivation, like what is your why? If you have a really clear reason for doing something, it's a lot easier to go and do it. The second thing is um, finding if we're talking about exercise, a style that you actually enjoy. So on Instagram and social media now, it's all about weight training and, um, you know, kind of like bodybuilding style training, even for women, which is great. It's a really good form of exercise. But if you don't enjoy that, yeah. there's literally nothing wrong with going to a Zumba class or going to a spinning class or swimming or anything else. Absolutely. But just because it's not trendy on social media. So I think if you're doing something... I mean, I've been through it all. I've literally done every style of exercise there is to do. And I'm definitely happiest now and find it easier now because I actually like it while I'm there, yeah. not just the feeling I get afterwards. No, true. That's quite nice. You, yeah. yeah, you're enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. Massive, massive. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
What three words would yeah. you use on a daily basis to sort of help people be successful? So like one of mine is action. Yes. Um, what sort of key, what other sort of, what three key words would you sort of live by? Okay. To sort of say, that will help you become successful. Yeah. Ambition. Oof, yeah. So people are often scared to do things out, out of the ordinary. So like I mentioned in the NHS, there's quite a clear conveyor belt. That means I can get to a consultant level in seven to 10 years time. But there's little deviations you can make. And I think ultimately my life will be enhanced in the long run by me making those deviations. But they're quite ambitious. And some people will sort of like fear those things. So I think it's just, you know, who says you can't do that? Absolutely, sort of getting out of your comfort zone. Exactly. Is that where you feel is really, like, that's where you learn the most, when you're sort of out of your comfort zone, that uncomfortable feeling? Yeah. Like, I've got to be honest, the first time you sit in front of a camera like this, it's not the most comfortable feeling. No. But it's a way that I know I can get my message out there to a wider audience. It helps my personal growth. Um, You know, it's... So doing things that are slightly uncomfortable become your new norm, and then you... Even, strive for even higher. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. You just constantly keep going. Yeah. Do you ever feel like there's a place where you want to sort of settle at or do you feel like, like there's just no limit? I'm just going to just carry on. Um, I'm sure they'll get to a stage in life where my priorities change and I think maybe um, I'm happy with the level of advice I'm giving in the audience or maybe I'm happy with where I'm at in my career and I want to think about a family or, you know, I think priorities do change. Yeah, sure. So I don't think you can be like a complete... Go, 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 go for it in your entire <laughs> life. Um, but there's, yeah, there'll definitely be a stage where I think I'm really happy now. There's yeah. more I can do, but maybe I can do it at a slower speed. Sure. Whereas I'm definitely like work in my 20s, establish myself, and then later reap the benefits. <laughs> Love that. Why not? So ambition's one. Yeah, ambition's one. Um, second one would be um, resilience. Mm. So there's going to be so many people that criticize you, um, try and put you down. Uh, it might come from jealousy. It might be because you actually scare them a little bit or you make them see things in themselves yeah. that they don't like. Yes. Um, and you just have to, if you want to do something, you have to ignore those. Because when I started this blog and social media page in university, there were people that took the mick out of it. And they didn't see, you know, it's when you've got 100 followers, yeah. it's hard to see what difference you're making. And unfortunately, it's when you grow and people realise... It's like the following justifies what you're doing. Mm. But you could, I could be doing what I'm doing now with 100 people. And if I'm helping 10 of them, that's still great. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely people that criticised it a bit. And they were like, why are you doing that? But I'm glad I've ignored them. 100%. But you had to, had to be a bit resilient to ignore them. There are a lot of haters out there. Yeah. There are a lot of people that don't want you to succeed. Yeah, but it's not. I don't think it's that they don't want you to succeed. I think it's that they have their own limitations and their own fears. And unfortunately, seeing someone else be successful makes them feel uncomfortable in themselves. Yes. You have to be really comfortable and content in yourself to be happy for another person. Yeah, you do. Whether that's in career, in a relationship, you know, to be actually rooting for someone else, you have to be pretty content. But then do you feel to be able to be content with this, you've had to, you've had to have gone to a deep place to find that contentment? Like, yeah. you, you've had, you have to do some soul searching, right? You have to definitely do some like internal, like what makes me tick? What, mm. um, you know, what makes me happy? And then when you realise that 
everyone can be successful. Instagram's really good for that, you know. There's so many amazing women on Instagram um, that are doing similar things to me. And we all get together at events and support each other. That's amazing. I know, but why is that in this social media bubble? Why are people not doing that more in their personal life? Everyone's got that friend that, you know, you'll get something great happened to you like a promotion at work and you might not even hear from that friend. Do you know why? Do you know what I think it is? It's because people genuinely don't listen to the advice when they say surround yourself by good people. Yeah. Surround yourself with people that are of similar sort of yeah. like-minded. Yeah. If you surround yourself with people that think negatively, I guarantee yeah. you think negatively. Absolutely. But if you surround yourself with you know, like, and similarly, that goes the same was if other people's success makes you feel uncomfortable and that's making you feel bad about yourself, yeah. then take yourself away from it. If someone else's success on social media is making you feel rubbish, just unfollow them. Yeah. Um, definitely. So, yeah, being resilient and, like that. and that kind of thing. And then what is the last one? I think probably, what was the question again? So what three things would you use on a daily basis? So you've had ambition, yeah. persist, um, resilience. Yes, and enjoyment. Enjoy it, so yeah. what is the point of doing it if you're not enjoying it? And that can be directly enjoying the act or directly enjoying something you get out of it. So I think it's totally fine for people that are in jobs that they don't love mm -hmm. if they're, you know, that enables them to have the lifestyle they want. Yeah. I think it's really short-sighted when you see people on social media say, oh, give up your day job and become a PT because it was the best thing I did and I was in a job I hated. But, you know, you might not like that job, but it might get better and you might have an amazing life outside of work. Mm, yes. So, you, so could, you might be able to go on holidays with your family or you might have the flexibility to work from home. and It see. funds your passions. Exactly. Um, so I think enjoyment doesn't necessarily have to be every minute of every day. No. There's definitely moments where I'm working a weekend in the hospital and I think, I'm not enjoying this right now. <laughs> But if you look at the bigger picture, yeah, it's a small part exactly. of your. It's a small part of it, right? Exactly, and I think the grass is always greener. So, any career ladder, there's you have to start at the bottom. Yeah. You know, you might have the most amazing sounding office job, but you're probably making someone's cup of tea. Yeah. So and you've got to work your way up. Yeah, so that's it's right. Not, it's not perfect sunshine and rainbows every single day. It's not going to happen overnight, right? Yeah. So it's enjoyment, but being realistic about enjoyment, and that ev not everyone enjoys it every single day. But if you wake up in the morning and you don't really love what you're doing, maybe there's something about it you can change. Yeah. Maybe not the whole thing, but there might be something about it. Where can people go for advice? So could it be, I know you did a post recently on men's, men's mental health, yeah. which is, I, I love that. Like Thanks. it's so, it's so, so good that people keep talking about it, keep yeah. sharing about it. It shouldn't, shouldn't disappear. Yeah. And it shouldn't be for one day of the year. It should yeah. be for every day of the yeah. year. Um, where can people go for advice? So if there's any guys out there watching now. Um, so for men's mental health in particular, so um, there are a couple of websites. So mind.org.uk has mm -hmm. loads of good links to what might be local to you. So local mental health services. Um, there are another one called Time to Change. Okay. Again, it's really similar. It helps direct you to your local services. Um, your GP. Oh. Honestly, we see mental health um, every single day it's the norm no one will judge you no one will tell anyone you've come but they can help you wow. um, and then there's little self-help things you can do if you don't think you think you've got some thoughts that maybe aren't quite bad enough that you need massive intervention there's lots of self-help things you can do like um, meditation apps people mm. think meditation is a bit airy-fairy but it could be just sitting down for five minutes and listening to one of the sleep meditations and it means you get a good night's sleep and then you feel better the next day yeah so 
there's lots of self-help things you can do and there's lots of websites um, that you can go on. Um, but I'd say GP is a really good source because if you need a referral or you need medication, then go you can intervene quickly. No, yeah. I love that. I think that's really good. Yeah. Guys, today we've had Dr. Frankie Jackson-Spence, sponsored by London District Housing Limited. Thank you so much. Doctor, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All of, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, all of Frankie's details will be below. So if you want to get in touch, you want to go to her website, her Instagram handle, everything will be there. And yeah, if you've got, if you've got any questions or comments, please leave them below. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,